0: Well, welcome to New Life Church this morning, one week before Christmas Sunday. Merry Christmas to you all, Um, and it is a delight and an honor to have you guys with us today. If you're new here, my name is Jeremy Smith, lead pastor of New Life Church, working with some wonderful folks on staff here who help lead and guide uh, this congregation. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here with us this morning. We're praying for you all this Christmas and believing for your hearts, your lives, your families to be touched by the presence of the Prince of Peace. And uh, we're excited about today. Uh, As we continue our series called Christmas at the Movies, if you haven't had a chance and you want to, you're not going to interrupt me if you get up and you want to go get popcorn and a drink at the back of the sanctuary, feel free to do that and enjoy um, those items this morning. Listen, I want to invite you to open your Bibles or click to your smart devices to Luke chapter two. But while you're getting to Luke chapter 2, I'm going to take a moment to go 700 years prior to the story of the birth of Christ, to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7 and chapter 9, and read a couple of verses to set today's story up. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, before the birth of the Messiah, was, came into this world. Here's what he said in chapter 7, verse 14. You can follow on the screen behind me. It says, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then just two chapters later, he also pins this and he says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time, there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, it will be filled with glory. And the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And for those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light Will shine. Verse 6 For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity, and the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's army will make this happen. Let's look at our text in Luke 2, verse 1. It says, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Let's pray today over this word. Father God, we are so thankful. Thankful for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to this earth to be born in such a miraculous way. To die such a sacrificial death, to be raised from such a dark tomb, to fill our hearts and our lives, to come into this mess of a world and our messy lives, and to make us new, to renew us, to refresh us, to forgive us, to love us, to reunite us to our Creator. Today, Lord, on this Sunday, let the story of Christmas be bright and be real in each and every one of our lives, that it would not just be a story in a book on a page, and it would not just be a day on a calendar, but it would truly be life-giving, life-changing in our hearts. We look to you today, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. And everyone can say Amen. So 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus, Isaiah prophesies these words. And he gives this picture of what will take place, how it will happen. And then he gives this hope and this promise that darkness may lie and cover in our lives, but there will come a time where darkness will be no more because the one who is light will come and his light will shine forever. And... He and His peace will never end. His government, His reign, and His rule, and His care, and His authority over our life, His leadership for us, His guidance to do what only God can do and get us to only where God would like to take us because He sees the end from the beginning and He's not afraid of what happens in the middle because He's God and He's sovereign, but He's also personal and His peace will never end in our life. And he said, darkness will have its time, but light will overpower the darkness. And so that prophecy about the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Son of God gives people, gives humanity hope that if we put our trust in him, if we put our faith in this Jesus, then light will live in us, Hope will breathe in us doubt and dismay and darkness will be pushed to the side not that we won't ever experience it but in the midst of experiencing it there is one who is greater there is one who is better and there is one whose light is so much greater than any darkness you and I could ever have in our life and and, and even though it may be huge and even though it may be great The light and the love and the hope of Jesus is what carries us, is what holds us, is what will keep us, and is what will help us move forward in our world. And he prophesied that 700 years before to say, hey, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout and be ready. Let your eyes catch. Let your heart connect with this Jesus. Because when he connects with you and you connect with him, everything changes. Everything changes. Changes And so to help us look at this story and to make this story come alive in our hearts, one of the things we've been doing over the last few weeks and today is we're looking at it's Christmas at the movies, we're looking at various Christmas movies, some, some of our favorites, there's a lot out there, not enough Sundays to cover all of them, but we picked a few to help point us to our Savior, to the hope of the world, Jesus Today we're going to look at Charlie Brown Christmas, a classic that presented itself in 1965 on TV and was on TV all the way up until just a few years ago. Um, Now you can stream it, you can buy it, you can own it, etc. If you've never seen it, I encourage you to take 20 minutes and watch it. It's a cartoon, but there's a message of hope inside. There's a message of salvation inside, which we're going to uncover today. And as we get ready to dive into that, I want to remind you next Sunday is Christmas Sunday. And it's we will not have in-person. This is our final in-person gathering uh, today until the new year. And so next Sunday, it is online only. And I, I I gotta tell you, we've we've already pre-recorded it. It's special. There's something special about it. Not because I'm in it, uh, but because the life and the message that comes across. And uh I, I encourage you, it's it's you'll be able to connect and watch it next Sunday morning online, uh, it's just a little over 20 minutes, so it's not real long, and I tell you that for this reason, because I know we all have a lot of traditions, and we all maybe some may be traveling, a lot of folks may be in at your house, or whatever your traditions are, but I just want to tell you this, before you, you get too far into the day next Sunday, turn on your smart device, your smart TV, or however you watch online stuff, and click the link, and tune in. To New Life Christmas next Sunday morning. Okay, I promise you, it'll be, a, it'll be a blessing to you. All right, and at the end of service today, we have gifts for all of you, uh, every single one of you. Uh, sorry, those of you that are watching from online, you miss out on this part. But those of you who are here, we have gifts at the back, to my back left, your back right, right behind you. So after service, James will also remind you, uh, we'll, we'll remind you about that. But take a gift uh, for each and every single one of you today. Okay? All right. You guys awake? A few are. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a look at this opening clip, Charlie Brown Christmas, as we look to see the real meaning of Christmas.
1: something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Charlie Brown. You're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Maybe Lucy's right. Among the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest.
0: So Charlie Brown, good old Charlie Brown, finds himself not feeling Christmas. Christmas was happening all around him, but it was not happening... In him. And so he found himself in that place. Have you ever been there? Christmas happening around you, but not happening in you. Maybe you are there this year. And so Charlie Brown wants to know why? Why am I feeling this way? What's going on inside of me? And so then his friends, he goes to each of his friends, and his friends all come to him. And they all each, in their own unique way, try to point him to, to be able to see what Christmas is all about in their way, the best way they think they can. And so let's take a look at his friend, Lucy.
1: May I help you? I'm in sad shape. Wait a minute. Before you begin, I must ask that you pay in advance. Five cents, please. How I love to hear that old money plink. That beautiful sound of cold, hard cash. That beautiful, beautiful sound. Nickels, nickels, nickels. That beautiful sound of plinking nickels. All right now. What seems to be your trouble? I feel depressed. I know I should be happy, but I'm not. Well, as they say on TV, the mere fact that you realize you need help indicates that you are not too far gone. I think we better pinpoint your fears. If we can find out what you're afraid of, we can label it. Are you afraid of responsibility? If you are, then you have hypengeophobia. I don't think that's quite it. How about cats? If you're afraid of cats, you have alerophasia. Well, sort of, but I'm not sure. Are you afraid of staircases? If you are, then you have climacophobia. Maybe you have thalassophobia. This is fear of the ocean, or chephorobia, which is the fear of crossing bridges. Or maybe you have pantophobia. Do you think you have pantophobia? What's pantophobia? The fear of everything. That's it! Actually, Lucy, my trouble is Christmas. I just don't understand it. Instead of feeling happy, I feel sort of let down. You need involvement. You need to get involved in some real Christmas project. How would you like to be the director of our Christmas play? me you want me to be the director of the christmas play sure charlie brown we need a director you need involvement we've got a shepherd musicians animals everyone you need we've even got a christmas queen i don't know anything about directing a christmas play don't worry i'll be there to help you i'll meet you at the auditorium incidentally i know how you feel about all this christmas business Getting depressed and all that happens to me every year. I never get what I really want. I always get a lot of stupid toys or a bicycle or clothes or something like that. What is it you want? Real estate.
0: I want real estate. So Lucy tries to diagnose Charlie Brown as Lucy does her best to... Always be that kind of person and concludes that Charlie Brown just needs to have some involvement in his life. He just needs to get busy. He needs to be busy about something. And maybe perhaps if he was busy and he was involved in the right things, then maybe he would feel Christmas, right? So she asked him to lead the school Christmas play. And and she thinks, well, if he can do this, then I think Charlie Brown will stop being afraid of everything and actually feel Christmas. Well, he tries that. And it fails, and it doesn't go so well to be busy. There's a story. Look at the story with me on the screen, Luke 10. It talks about someone else who was busy. Verse 38 says, Jesus and his disciples continued on our way to Jerusalem, and they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. And, but Martha was distracted. By the big dinner she was preparing, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. And there is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. I think we can, a lot of us can maybe find ourselves in Martha's shoes where we try to accomplish so many things. Uh, we have a long list and we're trying to dot the I's, cross the T's. We've got, we're trying to finish this, accomplish this. We throw ourselves into year-end work and it's busy. We have a lot of projects. We kind of Toss ourselves into or throw ourselves into. Uh, We we have hobbies that we we've got going on. We 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 try to maybe do a lot of shopping, maybe whether it's online or in person or whatever it might be. We do a lot of things. We got a lot of stuff. We try to put ourselves in because we're maybe in the thought is if I'm involved in all of these things and I'm busy with all of these things, then I'll feel a certain way. And maybe even if I'm busy with holiday stuff and I'm working in holiday things and doing all of this, then maybe that will fill me and make me feel Christmas. And I think one of the things to take away from this story here in Luke 10 is there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and that's what Mary discovered. And that is seeing Jesus listening to Jesus, paying attention to Jesus, and making our hearts open to Jesus. Doesn't mean we can't accomplish anything. Doesn't mean we can't be busy, quote unquote, with anything. Doesn't mean we can't do all of these things. The issue is this, is why are we doing it? What's the reason? What's the motivation behind it all? And the, and the thing is, if we are looking to the things to fill our heart, to make us feel Christmassy, then we're going to continue to try to find more things and more things and more things and more things because none of those things will make us feel Christmas. And so Charlie Brown tried it and he became miserable. And so in comes his sister Sally and he looks to his, to his pal Snoop Dogg to try to help him out. This clip doesn't show the Snoopy side. It shows his sister, Sally. So let's take a look at that. It's a short clip.
1: I've been looking for you, big brother. Will you please write a letter to Santa Claus for me? Well, I don't have much time. I'm supposed to get down to the school auditorium and direct a Christmas play. You write it, and I'll tell you what I want to say. Okay, shoot. Dear Santa Claus, how have you been? Did you have a nice summer? How is your wife? I have been extra good this year, so I have a long list of presents that I want. Oh, brother. Please note the size and color of each item, and send as many as possible. If it seems too complicated, make it easy on yourself. Just send money. How about tens and twenties? Tens and twenties? Oh, even my baby sister. All I want is what I have coming to me. All I want is my fair share.
0: All I want is my fair share. So Sally tries to get Charlie Brown to feel Christmas. If he would just buy in to all the commercialism of it, more gifts, more money more wants, all of these things. And she thinks, well, if you will have more, then your heart will not be so lonely. You know, it's nice to receive and it's nice to be able to give. In fact, God doesn't oppose any of that. He teaches us in his word to be able to bless others, to give to others, to share with others. So it's not something that he doesn't want us to have or to do. The concern is what we try to fill our hearts and our lives with, especially at this time of year. If we have the motive of wanting more, wanting more, and thinking we need more, or trying to fill other people's lives with giving more and giving more and giving more, and what we find out is that more is never enough. There's a scripture in 1 John, the Apostle John, gives us some instruction, a way of life, if you will. It's the message version, if you want to look at it on the screen with me. 1 John 2, verse 15, he tells us, hey, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. The love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world is, wanting our own way, wanting everything for ourselves, wanting to appear important, it actually has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. And the world and all it's wanting, wanting, and wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. You know, Christmas, it is a great time for us to be reminded of what's important, that Jesus is to be the center of our lives. That Jesus is supposed to be the center and nothing else. You look to the shepherd's story. You look to the wise men's story. You look at Matthew's account with Simeon and Anna. And You look here in Luke's account, the story and the birth of Christ. They did not have room for them. And it was in a stable where Christ was born as James pointed out in the beginning of our service, a messy stable. The showing of the example that Jesus is unafraid, even as a baby, unknowingly steps into a messy world to save our messy lives. And so Christmas is a great time to be reminded of that if we can just get ourselves to slow down and not be in such a hurry. I'm talking to anybody here, just me, today. Hurry, Dallas Willard, one of the great theologians, said hurry is one of the greatest spiritual enemies of our day. Hurry is. And when we're in a hurry, we we can miss what's important. Well, Charlie Brown got to this place of just being completely fed up. He was like, none of this stuff is making any sense. What you're telling me... Is not enough. As good of the motives were of his friends, what their answers were to him, they were not good. They were not the right answers. It was not appeasing his heart. He wasn't finding Christmas in any of those things, in the busyness, in the commercialism, in the money, in the achievements, or any of that stuff. He was not finding Christmas, and he was not feeling Christmas. And so finally, in frustration, he just throws his hands up in the air, and he says, isn't there anyone who can tell me What Christmas is all about. And steps in his buddy Linus. The thumb sucking, blanket carrying Linus. Let's take a look.
1: You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. (laughs) (laughs) What a treat!
0: Mm, That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and laid him in a manger. Because there was no lodging available for them. Question, is there room in your heart for the real meaning of Christmas? You see, at his birth, there was no room. There was no place. And ever since then, Jesus, his desire is to be able to find a heart in a life that would make room for him that would welcome him in because you see when he makes his home inside of you and in your heart and in your life when he's the sinner then life is never the same life is never the same sin is forgiven hope is given joy is released peace is made perfect and love is made real when I was watching our children up here this morning, it reminded me when I was roughly their age. was not in church consistently at that time, but every so often we would visit a church. And then, then kids would get released and go back to kids' church. And it was in kids' church where they would sing songs like this and other songs, like Father Abraham. And when I'm in the Lord's army... If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Anybody, anybody? Anybody? Don't forget those. Don't forget those. And watching their expressions and hearing their voices reminded me that even a long time ago, when all I knew was darkness, God was looking out. He was planting seeds of light in my life. That years later, when I was a teenager, That I would go and experience the love of God in a very life changing way and and be introduced to Jesus. And how ever since then I found forgiveness is real. Forgiveness is real. I found out joy, it's a real thing, it's not an emotion, but it's what God gives puts inside of hearts no matter what life throws your way because of Jesus I discovered that hope hope is real I can get my hopes up because God is faithful because God loves me and I discovered that love unconditional love is real that I'm loved not because of how good I can be And I am loved in spite of how bad I can be. Because God's love is that powerful, that pure, that perfect. And So when Jesus comes into your life and he makes himself at home and we allow him to make himself at home in us and him to be the center, doesn't mean we won't have it all together. Doesn't mean we will be perfect all the time. That won't happen on this side of eternity. What it means is that Jesus will always be real. Jesus will always be there when we're heartbroken to love us through it. Jesus will be there when we know we've made choices that don't honor him, and he will love us in spite of it. Jesus is not just a story, it's not just a character, it's not just someone we talk about at Christmas. No, Jesus is Christmas. Jesus is Christmas. And as we prepare to close our service today, we're going to take time to come to the communion table. We have two tables set up in beautiful poinsettias. Thanks to Dawn and Mark. Thank you so much for always making this table welcoming because that table speaks volumes to be welcome for all of us anyone who puts their faith and trust in jesus welcome you're welcome to come and so communion is a time that can seal the reality of what christmas is in the fact that jesus shared a final meal on earth with his closest disciples and a betrayer. About 33 years after his birth, he shared this final meal. And this final meal showed us they ate the same bread, they drank from the same cup, which we will not do. I don't want anybody to start freaking out over communion already, all right? But they drank from the same cup, ate from the same bread, and he left a gift when he, when he shared this meal, he, he left a gift for, the fu- for future followers, for pe- future people like you and me. The bread. He said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. As often as you eat this bread, remember me. That my body was broken for your life. Your frail broken life. I came to heal. And they drank from the same cup. And he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, which represents my blood that I shed for your forgiveness, the forgiveness of your sins and the sins of this world. And as often as you drink from this cup, do it in remembrance of me. When you gather at times like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and other special occasions, you ever find yourself gathered with family and some close friends and you start to reminisce? You start to talk about some things of the past life when it was this way. I remember that, that happening this way and that situation being this way. And I remember when we used to gather here and this would go on. See, That's what happens, or what is supposed to happen in our hearts and our minds when we come to take communion, a time to slow down, reflect, and remember Jesus and what He did for us. And so He says, remember me. Communion helps us take time to remember the real meaning of Christmas, that Jesus was first born, that He lived a sinless life, that he died a horrific, sacrificial death on the cross, that he was resurrected from a dark tomb so that he could come and fill our lives, fill our hearts, bring joy, bring peace, bring hope, and bring his love inside of us and bring healing where we are hurting. So Christmas is not all about the busyness. It's not all about accomplishing everything. It's not all about the money. It's not all about the gifts. Those are some byproducts. Christmas is about Jesus. And it's about allowing Him to fill our lives. And when He fills our lives fully and we're not looking to anything earthly then heavenly things take place in these human hearts and so today in a moment when we come to take these elements it's my hope for me, for you, it's my prayer for me and you that we would taste the bread and taste the cup and be reminded you know what? Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Not how much I acquire. Not how much I achieve. Not how much I can accomplish. Not how much I can try to make and please other people. And make others happy. Make people like me. And do this and do that. And be here and be there. But it's about knowing I'm safe in Christ. And that Jesus is enough. And when Jesus is enough, today when we take these elements, I pray and I hope that He will truly fill your life and my life fresh and anew. I want to tell you, those of you watching online, if you can, take about 30 seconds to a minute. If you're watching it, go and get something for your communion time. That way you can join the rest of us. In this special moment, and those of you in person, I'm gonna ask you to stand and I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna invite you to the table. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for what this table represents what the elements represent. Today, I pray, Lord, as we take this bread and eat it and as we drink from this cup, we do it in in remembrance of Christ Jesus. But as we do it, I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded that Jesus, you really are enough, that your sacrifice was enough, your resurrection is enough, the hope of eternity is enough. That as we in, live and enjoy the lives on, our days on earth, when we are up and when we are down, may we be reminded what Christmas is. The coming of Christ. The birth of Jesus. Of this baby. Coming into this messy, dark world. After a period of many years, hundreds of years of silence and darkness breaking through to remind humanity, God has not forgotten you. Today, if there's anyone here with that in mind, God has not forgotten you. If you feel alone, isolated, cut off in a dark and lonely place today, I want to remind you, God has not forgotten you. God sees you. God hears you. God is not through with your life. God is not through with you. He has come to snuff darkness out with his light and his love. And so today I'm I'm asking you when you come to the table today, ask the Lord to fill your life fresh and let the fresh love of Christ pour into you and let the healing power of the life of Christ work wonders inside of your heart. He can do it. All it takes is you saying yes to him. So now, Lord, as we prepare to come, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, of our trespasses where we've come up short. Lord, remove shame and guilt and regret. Remove the heaviness, Lord, that likes to linger on us like a a heavy blanket. Lord, peel the dark sky away over our lives and remove all doubt. And today, plant truth, plant your love, plant your hope, your peace, and your joy inside of us, and open the eyes of our heart to see and to believe that you have a future and a purpose for our lives as we say yes to you and make room in our
1: hearts for you now, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.